Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Of course, you can find John over on Twitter at LegendSports7. You can find me at Loafin' It. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore on it. John, it's been a minute, my friend. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, my friend. Happy New Year. Yeah, we had moving day last week uh, into the new house that we've been talking about on the show for a little while. So that was... <laughs> That was yeah. wild to say the least. We had the the closing from the sale of the first place and the purchase of the new place. And of course, my wife is very pregnant at this point, and we're moving all the stuff with all the family members. It was crazy. Uh, now we're settled. I'm in the the new office now, and we're uh, ready to rock. Well, you sound very good in your new luxurious Fantasy Impact Today studios there in, <laughs> in, in your location. Now, did did Johnny Muscles get really tired? Did you get tired from all the moving? Yes. No, I, I mean, I still feel, you know, I didn't stop working uh, at the office at the same time. I was still doing simultaneously my work and doing all this lifting and trying to manage, you know, family matters that we have to deal with when you're doing a big move like this. Um, so, yeah, I sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. Right now, I feel pretty good because I, I finally got a day off from work and we can do the show and my sister and my brother-in-law are coming to visit. So I'm pretty clear minded right now, but I've been pretty exhausted from all the lifting and stuff from the move. Now your wife is doing fine. You didn't make her do any of the heavy lifting. You know, we know she's pregnant. She's she's getting it's it's getting close. It's getting closer. Yeah, it's March twenty four is our is our expected oh. time. Um, she you know she's tough though. She likes to do stuff. So uh, you know it's I tried not to let her do anything, but she she's an active person. So I think in a in a couple of weeks or so we're gonna shut her down cold turkey and uh, no more action for her. She's got to relax. I've been saying that. So hopefully we can get that into motion. Well, listen, we, we may not want to cut out all the action, Johnny. Okay, we just we may not want to cut out all the action. Uh, yes, and March is a very busy month for me as well. We've got birthdays, anniversaries right around that time. Um, my wife, whenever we were going to, before we were getting married, she said, okay, do you want to get married on like uh, this day or this day? And I had two days to choose from, and, and March 12th is my anniversary, and I think it was March 19th or something like that. And I said, oh, 12th. For sure. That was really easy. It was really a quick. And usually I'm one of these guys, let me think about it for a minute, you know, and I never get back to her. Uh, so she would just end up picking the day. But 12 was so easy because that was my guy, Sean Dunstan. He was one of my favorite baseball players, if not my favorite baseball player growing up as a kid. Uh, played a shortstop for the Chicago Cubs, and his number was 12. And so 12 has always been my number since that time because everybody in Chicago had 23. 23 was the popular number, you know, Michael Jordan, all that. But I like 12 just because of Sean Dunstan. And I, plus, I like to be different. I remember Sean Dunstan very well because I collected a lot of baseball cards from that time period. So mm-hmm. I probably had about 35 Sean Dunstan 1988 Tops cards. I could picture him. He was lean. He was very lean. He had no muscle on his body. He was a shortstop. I remember that right-handed hitter. So I remember him well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was a different time for sure. It was a totally different time. It's just funny because my number has always been 21. Um, so you and I are reversed, but still on the same plane as usual. 21 is my number for sports, baseball, basketball. I always wear 21. Isn't that something? I got to get into a little bit of numerology or something like that, John, because that means something. I mean, you know, you're 21, I'm 12, something like that. That, that just, that just coincides with all the stars up in the sky. Yeah, it definitely does. And I always tell you the, the one in my family, which is crazy is, and it's, it's very relevant because we're in the week of it right now is my mom is January 6th birthday, right? My sister was January 7th, so it was just this past week. Throw that on top of all the mayhem going on around here. Mm-hmm. Six plus seven equals 13. My wife is January 13th. What are the odds of that? I don't have any idea. You just blew my mind. I like it a can lot. You, I, I can you believe that? So that's, you know, I don't know about men to be and stuff, but that's pretty, the odds of that are very slim that your mother and sister would add up to your wife's birthday. The silence was me trying to, you know, compute all those things. And, and hey, John, we got Wild Card Weekend. I'm, I'm totally getting us off subject right now because I'm, my mind is blown. But we got Wild Card Weekend staring right at us. And it's one of those things for us as NFL uh, fans. This is one of the most exciting weekends that we can have in football because there's a lot of good football left. You know what I mean? There, And I like next weekend a little bit better than this weekend because it kind of weeds out some of these teams that maybe are pretenders in the playoffs. And we're not going to mention the Bears as being one of those pretenders. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of it kind of weeds those people out, and so it's really, really good football, in my opinion, next week. But I sure do love this weekend still. 
Yeah, well, we have the extra games this weekend. That's the mm-hmm. that's the best part is usually we go into wild card and with the double buys the way it used to be, we'd only have four games, right? It would be two on each side. So now we're getting three on each side. So that that's like uh that's like free baseball, as they say, when you go into extra innings. So happy to have the extra games for sure. And for me, like I said, we got company coming this weekend, so it's going to be nice. I can watch with my dad, with my brother-in-law, Kurt, and, and my father-in-law, Mike. So uh, it'll be fun. We'll be able to get together and watch those games. I hope some of these COVID uh, uh, differences in, in the scheduling and in the seasons and in the rules uh, uh, don't change. I, I don't mind more football. You know, I, I don't mind the extra team inside of this uh, NFL wildcard weekend. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for the best team to get the buy on their own. I actually think that makes logical sense. The best team should get the buy. Since when does second place get anything in life, right? Second place is the first loser, as they that's what the old saying is. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense. that The team that stood out clearly as the best gets the buy. Everybody else has got to fight their way to the top. So I, I like the structure. And like you, I like the extra football. Yeah, I don't mind the extra football, but one of these games that looks very interesting, and I think that uh, NFL put this on here as a tantalizing thing so everybody could see Josh Allen playing quarterback for the Buffalo Bills against Phillip Rivers, who, you know, I, I don't. I don't know what to think about Philip Rivers. I think he does a steady job. He's a game manager. But Josh Allen is a game winner. And right now we have this game total. Everything kind of seemed to stay put, John. You know, the lines don't move very much here in the playoffs when we talk about what Vegas has set earlier in the week and what the, where it's sitting right now. And so this game total is sitting at 51 points, and Buffalo is favored by 6.5. Yeah, see, that's a good point, what you said about the lines, because – too many people are putting bets down when it comes to the playoffs. Mm. So they can't give you the information that they would give you during the regular season, right? So when we talk about lines crossing over, if you do that in a playoff game and you got all these sharp bettors out there, this is where they really make their money in the playoffs because you can read into those indicators. The Vegas is purposely trying not to give too much information. They'd rather it be as gray as possible. And then basically you got to go with your instinct and your gut. So that, that's a good point. And that's not a coincidence. That, that you're looking at the lines and you're not seeing what you saw during the regular season. That is 100% on purpose. Um, in this game here, you know, it's interesting. The right bet is looking like the Colts. And I actually, I haven't had that much time to tweet lately, but I did tweet about that during the week. But I can't do it. I don't have the heart to do it because right now it opened at seven. It went down a half a point. So we're already going in terms of the betting factors in Indianapolis's favor, right? right. And we're only 40% on Indianapolis. And we know the Bills are a very trendy pick. So you add those three things together and you say, well, if I want to be smart and I want to go against the green, that play is going to be Indianapolis. However, for me, the Bills have been so impressive. For me to go against them, I would have need them to be around 72 to 75% of the public betting on them. With only 60% going on Buffalo, I have to stick with them. They're too hot and they're too good and they're too well balanced. No one's able to figure them out right now. So I'm still, even though it doesn't look like the quote-unquote right play, I'm going to go with Buffalo. How about you, my friend? No, I agree with you. I've thought about it, and against the spread, even uh, I've I've wanted to lean Indianapolis because I'm like, man, they're gonna they're gonna go up to Buffalo and they're gonna pound that rock over and over again. They're gonna keep this score close. It's gonna be in that six and a half uh, point range. But then I think about it, and I'm like, man, Buffalo's defense has gotten a lot better. It's going to force Phillip Rivers to be able to throw a ball outside in Buffalo conditions, which I don't think it's going to be terrible weather conditions there or anything like that. But still, that Buffalo defense flies around the field, and they just seem to be gelling right now. And and they're really coming together, which is what you want to want to see a defense do towards the end of the year. And And to be honest with you, Josh Allen... I know this Indianapolis Colt defense is spectacular, right? We've been barking about them all year long, the secondary and all that. But, man, Josh Allen's playing at a whole nother level right now. And I can't wait to see how big he is out there because, I honestly, I don't get to see a lot of Buffalo Bill games. Yeah, every time I, I read or watch Josh Allen or hear us talk about it, I, I get depressed because, obviously, the Jets had a chance to take Josh Allen. And and let me let me flash back a little bit on him. This this is a very vivid memory of mine that on Roto World, I want to say five months before the draft or whenever we found out and we knew for sure by the end of the season, the year before that the Browns were going to have the first pick. There was a, a detailed report on Roto World that said the Browns were super high on Josh Allen and it was all likely that they would take him with the first pick. 
That was five months before. So I'm like, oh, this guy, Josh Allen, he must he must have the whole skill set for them to be that confident and their scouts that far in advance. Now, of course, you know what happens. They have the interviews. They hear all the chatter around them. Uh, they see all the things. You know, they're, they're affected just because they're guys that are in high positions. They're affected by the noise unless they're one of the elite organizations in the league, which at the time the Browns were not that, right? So they got affected by the noise, and they ended up taking Mayfield. And he's coming along now, but he's not a Josh Allen. But for me, that always stuck in my mind. I was like, wow, there, there's scouts saying this far in advance that this guy's the pick when we're already hearing about Mayfield and Darnold and Josh Rosen. Other scouts were saying Josh Allen's the pick. I was kind of hoping in the back of my mind that the Jets were going to make that aggressive pick. So in that draft, we took Darnold. We could have taken Josh Allen. And we could have taken Lamar Jackson, didn't get either one of them. In a previous draft, we took Jamal Adams. We could have taken Deshaun Watson or we could have taken Mahomes. We didn't get either one of them. So you got four of the best quarterbacks in the league were right there for the Jets to take, and we got nothing to show for it. Yeah, and, and, and you know the thing I'm most impressed about with Josh Allen is how he improved from last year to this year as far as his completion percentage. Maybe that has a lot to do with Stephon Diggs and getting better hands there and everything. But uh, the other thing I like about him is I saw him winning games. You know, and he, I was like, dude, last year in the playoffs and, and uh, even in the regular season towards the end of last year when they were making their playoff push, I was like, he is a game winner. And sometimes those quarterbacks just have that where you feel very confident that your team is not going to lose because he is under center and he is going to will your team to victory. And he had that. And now he couples that with more talent around him. Plus, he couples that with what seems to be an offseason regimen that allows him to be able to improve his game. And he does not... He doesn't seem tight out there on the field. He's very loosey-goosey in the pregames, having a good time, and, and the weight of the world is not on his shoulders, and he just loves to, this, this kind of environment. So I really do look for Buffalo to run away with this game. I'm trying to figure out a way that the Colts are able to backdoor cover this, and I just can't see it. Yeah, I'm not able to get there, and I like what you said about Josh Allen. I mean, a couple of reasons why. One for sure is... They do a really good job of mixing in some easy throws, which is that old adage, right? Especially right. when you have a weaker quarterback, right? I find using the Jets as the example, and I'm sure you find that with Mitch when Mitch is going through a rough stretch. When you want to get these guys that are inconsistent to get going in the right direction, you want to have a couple of throws that are just a little play action and you dump it off to the guy in the flat and you pick up five or six yards on first down. The Bills do a good job of varying that. So they'll open up the drive with a play like that, make sure they get the ball going forward, make sure Allen gets his rhythm. So on that topic, tons of credit got to go to Sean McDermott, right? This yes. talk At this point now, he's clearly the most underrated coach in the league because every other team that's quote-unquote elite, they talk about the head coach. He's the only guy that nobody talks about. So Sean McDermott, a lot of credit there. And the other thing for Josh Allen is only two guys can make the throws that he makes and from the beginning, we knew that about his arm strength, that everybody was saying plus, plus. This is, if this is baseball, this is an ace arm. If th this is your closer, this is your relief pitcher who throws 100 miles an hour. But they couldn't get him to, to focus in and laser in and make those connections. Now, with the velocity that he has, the defense can sometimes be there. That's the problem. That's why they're so hot. That's why he's in such a rhythm. The defense is there. It's not like these guys are running wide open. But the ball gets in there with that velocity. And the only other guy that can do that is the MVP of the league. That's Aaron Rodgers, still doing it at his old age. Uh, that These two guys are just something special. Now, you said a couple of things there. I, I like how you said getting the quarterback in rhythm. And mm. we hear that adage in basketball as well. If a star player, if a scorer, if the scorer on your team is not making buckets he needs to get to the free throw line just so he could see a basketball go in the goal and I think that that's important for a quarterback to see a throw go into the receiver's hands you know a completion like that uh, but you also said that uh who, who's the coach of the Buffalo Bills Sean Sean McDermott Sean McDermott thank you I had I had it written down right there and I couldn't remember <laughs> uh, Sean McDermott as the best as, as as one of the most underrated coaches let me ask you this is he the best coach in that division uh right now for this season, he is, but I can't offer one year because I'm, you know me, I'm a very long-term guy. So, so off of one year or really three years, he's been very good, McDermott. I would put, I've had him in the top 15 for quite a while now, but I can't offer this alone, especially seeing how poorly Cam Newton played. Uh, I can't, I can't put him ahead of Belichick yet. However, back-to-back -back years, let's say the the Patriots make a quarterback change and they struggle again. Then you start thinking, okay, obviously Belichick knows what he's doing, but maybe he's not the mass genius without having 
Tom Brady. But off of one year, I'm going to say no. I'm going to stick with Belichick. Okay. However, I'm going to propel McDermott, who I normally have in like the top 12. I'm going to put him in the top eight now. So he's he's going towards Bill Belichick. All right. And one last question there about the coaching. Uh, how are you thinking about the Jets and their coaching interviews right now? Well, I'm, I mean, the hardest thing for me is I know for a fact there's already guys that don't even want to come in for an interview. And this all stems back to Trevor Lawrence, right? If they were able to just lose and not suddenly be a, a competitive team beating the Rams who are in the playoffs, uh, it would be totally different. You'd have almost all of these guys coming to interview, especially the younger guys who want to quote unquote grow with the young quarterback, right? Now that they don't know who it is, it could be Fields. It could be Darnold. It could be. Now we're hearing about Watson. That might change things, right? That's the hot rumor in the last couple of days that if the Texans are going to tear it down and restart with a whole new franchise up front, that maybe the Jets could make a move for Watson and give away a lot of the assets they have. They have a lot of draft picks and they have assets to give away to the Texans. And I'm sure they'd probably give Darnold away too. But unless they get a Watson, they're not going to get these legitimate coaches to come in. So my concern, the only one who looks like he might be interested is Biennemi. So if that's the way it's got to go, then I'll be happy if it ends up being him. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, that'd be a terrible mistake by the Texans to be able to get rid of Deshaun Watson. He is a franchise quarterback. Right. You don't get rid of franchise quarterbacks. You know what you have in him, and he, he is a winner, and you cannot get rid of him. I there's not enough draft picks in the world to be able to change that. You let him come in, sit down with the coaches. You let him sit, sit down with the GM interviews, whatever you've got to do with him. You let him help in those decision-making. He doesn't have to make the decision. Just let him be a part of it. Let him be active. Let him do those things. But you can always sway it a different way. Cannot get rid of Deshaun Watson. Huge mistake if they decide to do that. Absolutely, 100%. One more thing on this first game uh, so we could mix a little bit of DFS. Very interesting to see the rise of Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is the highest salary guy in the million-dollar contest on DraftKings. The highest, higher than the quarterbacks. Mm. That's that's almost unheard of. So he's at 7,900 this week in the matchup against Buffalo. I got to think he's probably going to be the key player in this game because how could that be? His salary is higher than Josh Allen. His salary is higher than Tom Brady. It's higher than Russell Wilson, uh, which, of course, we always know usually the quarterbacks are the highest scoring guys. So Jonathan Taylor, what a what a second half of the season he had when they really dedicated to going to him full blast. Um, you know, it's a high salary, but knowing that, seeing the way that it sticks out when you look at the chart of the players here, you you might have to find a way to get him into your lineups. And if the Colts are going to make it close, he's going to be the key to that action. Maybe so. And that definitely means Marlon Max out of there. I think they like what they have. I think Philip yeah. Rivers ends up staying there and they make another run at this thing again next year. Maybe mix in another wide receiver or uh, I want to say a tight end, but they already got three. They don't know how to use it, feels like. So, so uh, we got the Rams versus those Seattle Seahawks that you're talking about. Still undecided as quarterback. I don't know if that uh, news has hit the, the room or not yet. I don't think that it has. And this is right down the middle, Johnny. Ever, ever, I mean, there's everything across the board. The spread, the money line wagers coming in, the over-unders. Just right there, uh, it seems like it's almost 50-50 across the board. And we have the Rams being uh, underdogs by three points against Seattle, and this game total is sitting at 42, John. I, 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 if, look, if the quarterback's undecided, if we still – I don't even care that who it is as quarterback right now. If, if Goff's thumb is not right and he goes in there, I think the Seattle Seahawks are able to run a uh, ramp shot over the Rams this game. Yeah, I mean, look, logically that's the way we have to think, and unfortunately I don't always like to do it that way. As you know, we like to vary the strategies. But what we're in a situation here with in these two games back to back, right? I really want to, I want to key in on these two games together. You have two games here where the right pick is going to be the opposite team. It's going to be Indianapolis and the Rams. Cause right now, look at the indicators on the Rams. Only 42%, like you said, it's close to 50 50, but they are on the lower side at 42. Mm -hmm. And the opening line was four and a half for the Seahawks and has dropped to three without knowing who the Rams quarterback is. Now, if that's not fishy, I don't know what is, right? That, that's fishy. Without knowing who the quarterback is, the line went in their direction, which means are they going to win this game straight up? Is this going to be like the Super Bowl where the Rams were able to shut down the Patriots? Yes, they lost the game, but they did shut down the offense. It was a 10-3 game, whatever it was, something very low. Is that what these lines are telling us right now? Unfortunately for me, I'm with you on this, Wes. Uh, I got to go with the two quarterbacks, and I got to go with the safe plays 
And I figure if I take Buffalo and Seattle, I'm coming out of this thing one and one. And I'm not going to feel like an idiot if the, the worst and the weaker team is the one who loses in the end, right? So I'm going to go with this, the safer picks, which are the public plays. I'm going to go with Buffalo and Seattle. I'm going to go with you on both of these games, and we're probably going to end up being one and one. Yeah, and I think in the when you look at talking about wildcard weekend or even in the NFL playoffs, you always go with the better quarterback, right? I mean, you follow the quarterbacks, and, and that, that usually gets you in the winning side of any kind of picks or any kind of wagers that you end up uh, doing that weekend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I mean, a lot of times I've had success in that in the past. The only thing got to watch out for is those those super high numbers, which we don't have this week. Right. We don't have any seventy five twenty five because sometimes you might get that. You might get a situation where you clearly have the right quarterback on your side. Then you go and look at Sports Insights or you go to your betting site, whatever, and you say, whoa, 77 percent. Now I got to pull the reins back. I might be in trouble here. We don't have that this week. So like you said, it's a good time to focus on those good quarterbacks. You might be able to play that across the board this week with the exception of one game. I'll leave it as a teaser. We'll go because we're not there yet. There's one game where I'm not, I'm not so confident in the better quarterback. Uh, but so far, going to go Buffalo, going to go Seattle. Um, to, again, this is a very low line. And I got to tell you, it's very unusual for a couple of salaries here with Seattle. One is Russell Wilson's only 6,600, which is less than Tom Brady. And a lot of times he's more than him over the course of the year. So it right. seems like DraftKings is kind of in line with the over-under total saying, whoa, this could be a little bit low scoring. And Tyler Lockett has bypassed Metcalf with a higher salary of 6,900 over 67. So there's a lot of mixed signals when you go into the DraftKings this weekend uh, and you look at the salaries. It's going to be very hard to decipher the bomb, as they say. So it's a tough call for sure. Yeah, and and you know, would you look at that point total, that forty-two and a half? It, that is that is just really, really low uh, for a playoff game. It feels like to me, and that means the ball's just not going to get moved around. It seems to me like a DFS for as far as DraftKings go. I'm staying away from this game more than anything else. Yeah, you're probably staying away to some extent. It's going to be hard when you have a six-game slate. You're probably going to need one of those Seattle wide receivers, right? Because they're not going to not have any catches. And they really don't go to the tight end and they really don't go to David Moore, the third wide receiver. So knowing that, that it's, it's primarily those two guys, one of those guys is going to have a game. The question is, who is it at what salary point? That's a difficult call. I think one thing you're going to have to do, right? If you, I'd be afraid to bet this game, right? I probably would lay off this game altogether because it seems so fishy. The Rams side of it seems fishy, but for DraftKings, you're probably going to have to try to use the Rams defense because that's got the key to the whole thing. That's got to be why the line is so low and why the line is going down. It's got to be Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and all those boys. So for DraftKings, you got to think about the Rams defense. This could be like a 12-9 game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this, this could be I a hope 12-9. Not. That's boring. I, I hope they get up and down the field. I mean, look, with no quarterback or even with Goff being injured, I just don't see how the Rams are going to score. But these are dangerous things to say. I know that from many years of experience. You don't see this. You don't see that. Then you watch the game and they block a punt. Right. Or they return a kick for a touchdown or somebody misses three field goals and an extra point. Something happens that's not in the normal way you would think about football. And you say, wait a second, I didn't consider that up front. Yeah, no, totally. And I could see the punter for the Los Angeles Rams being the MVP of this game. John, this may be one where everybody checks out, gets the, everything ready for the evening game, which is going to be Tom Brady in a different uniform in the playoffs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Washington football team. Now, John, this is this one's been intriguing. This one has gone over and over in my head because when I look at this, all right, it, the, at the beginning of the week, this was uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by seven and a half points. It's bounced up to eight and a half. The game total has dropped from 46 and a half down to 45. Not a lot of movement, but just subtle movements, right? And this is it, it right now. Our sports insights that we always use says buy pick. So they know something and everything's coming in, not only on the over, but everything's coming in on the Buccaneers side of things. John, John, to me, I, in my head, I go, Washington's not that bad of a football team. They keep things close. They have a shot in this game. And then I look at the talent levels and I go, nah, not really. It doesn't seem like they should, but they just do. Yeah, I think, uh, well, there's a couple of things. One is you're definitely biased for Ron Rivera, as okay. we know, over the course of the season, which right. is fine because Riverboat Ron, this is the type of game you want to be Riverboat Ron, right? When everybody knows and is thinking bucks in their head 
out there in the public, that's when you want to take some gambles and take some shots. Maybe you throw in some gadget plays. Maybe you throw in a little misdirection. So it's a good it's a good time to be Riverboat Ron. So I'm not against you on that. And I agree. I think because it's a buy pick, and so was the first game, which we didn't mention, Indianapolis. I bet you those buy picks from Sports Insights are probably the Colts and Washington because any Joe Schmo could tell you to take Buffalo as hot as they've been, and any Joe Schmo could take you to take Tom Brady, and as good as the Bucks have played in the last three weeks, now coming on that steady incline, and at fantasy coach JB's feeling good about himself right now, Jared. Um, anybody can tell you to do that, which we're still going to do. I mean, I have a feeling, I, I mean, you're taking Washington, but for me, I'm going to go with the three quarterbacks here just to open. It's just the way it looks to me. Uh, and also, I like that the line went up. That's what I want to say about Tampa Bay. So the seven and a half went to eight and a half. And then on DraftKings, New Jersey, it's at nine. So now you're going up one and a half. And yet, with the movement of that line, only 59% of the public on Tampa Bay. So yes, it's more than half, but it doesn't seem to be that action that's pushing the line. It seems like the fact that Tampa Bay could blow them out is pushing the line. However, let's talk about the flip side. We know about Washington's front seven that everybody's been talking about all year. Uh, the fact that the line dropped on the over-under is a good sign for Washington unless it's going to be one of those games like early in the year mm -hmm. where Tampa Bay is feasting, right? There was like maybe at the beginning of the year, the first four, five, six games where we were saying, hey, Tampa Bay looks like a top three or four defense. It could be that this is the right matchup for them because Washington doesn't have a lot of downfield plays. So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay, but I can understand why the buy pick might be Washington, and I can understand why you might like Washington as well. No, and, and you know, I just have those flashbacks of whenever Tampa Bay played the Chicago Bears and Mac was tossing people around, and, and Chase Young, what a, you know, young guy, young guy saying, I want Tom Brady, you know, whenever he said that, and and then he came out and later and said, look, I'm just saying, I can't wait to play Tom Brady. This is what I live for. I'm in the playoffs playing against Tom Brady. Who wouldn't love to do that? I'm ready for Tom Brady. And and you love that zeal. You love that thing. And that's that Ron Rivera in people. You know, that rah, 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 get, get the team going and running through a wall. I, I, I really do want to take the Washington football team. But then deep down inside, when I look at those two rosters, I don't know how I can especially with a banged-up Alex Smith who can't throw the ball. It doesn't seem like past 10 yards very effectively. That's what worries me is when you shrink the field, right? So we, we talk about the Rams have had that problem this year, right, that they can't stretch it. Everything is a play action, throw it out to the flat, or a quick slant. Washington's offense is the same way. It has to be that way. It's not like you're going to be throwing 60-yard bombs with Alex Smith. The, and that'll get you by over the course of the season because the whole mm -hmm. team is built in that Mark Sanchez style right? The way the Jets built that team, which is we already know in advance, we're not going to go ahead and beat teams by four touchdowns unless it's the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving when they blew the doors off them. With the exception of that game, their whole structure is we just want to go back and forth. You get a field goal, we get a field goal. You get a touchdown, we get a touchdown. We want to play 17-14. We want to play 21-17. They already know. And then we want to get in position at the end where we make the smart plays and the right plays at the right time. And that's where we get the job done. So playing that way during the regular season is smart for a team like that. Playing that way against a team that's clearly better than you in the playoffs is giving them an opportunity to pull away when they start to exploit those weaknesses, right? So if you want to go Washington, my advice to the listeners is I think you want to go Washington in the first quarter or you want to go maybe if you want to stretch it, you go Washington in the first half because they'll hang around. They'll do their thing. But then Tampa Bay goes in at halftime you know, they get the uh, the machines and the mathematics and the chalkboards and the whiteboards out and Tom Brady and Arians and all those guys. And they say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lock in right here. By the end of the third quarter, we're going to be up by three scores on these guys. So that that would be my suggestion. If you like Washington, take them early. Don't take them for the game. I could see that because it, that's, and maybe that makes more sense in my brain than anything else. I see the Washington football team. Uh, uh, being able to keep Tom Brady not in a rhythm. And you talked about before earlier in the season that it's really important for teams to get into a rhythm. And I think you said the Jets were a rhythm team. And I can see how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can get out of that rhythm and that gelling that Tom Brady just hasn't had with his offense very often. Uh, I could see how Washington can exploit that a little bit better. And that's how things will get close. But maybe like you said, at the, towards the end of the game, it gets blown out. I am still going to take the points in this one. 
I think eight and a half is a little bit too much to cover with that Washington football team as mm-hmm. grind out of a team as it is. Uh, I, eight and a half, it seems like a lot. I don't know how Washington's going to find the end zone <laughs> to, to be able to cover that, but I, I just I want to go with the Washington football team. Yeah, they could do it in all facets of the game, right? That's always a possibility, like the way our, your Giants hung around and almost gave you a shot at that Super Bowl oh, pick and they man. almost won the division. Um, you know, that was their that was their strategy as well. Let's play all three facets and just try to hang around, hang around. Maybe we get a break. Uh, you know, and actually the funny thing about them, just a real quick point, is it almost worked in the opposite for them when Gallman fumbled at the end of that game. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> he got the first down to win the game and the ball just slipped out of his hands. It was like somebody came from above and just knocked it out of his hands. Uh, that was pretty wild that it came down to that. Uh, let's talk about DraftKings just a little bit, right? So we can cover all facets of it, especially now that we only have six games on the slate. Uh, there's a lot of gamesmanship going on. And I got to be honest with you, I don't think anybody's buying into it in terms of the salaries and the listings on DraftKings. Stefan Diggs is listed as questionable, right? I'm going across these guys and it'll lead us to the Washington football team. He's questionable, but he's the second highest salary player at 7,700. I bet he's going to play, right? So they just want to think, oh, maybe there's a chance he won't play. Mike Evans is questionable. He's got a pretty high salary at 6,500. I bet you he's going to play. McLaurin is questionable. He's at 6,300. He's probably going to play. Then uh, Gibson is questionable. He played the last two games, and they're trying to tell us he's not going to play in the playoffs. So it's just, it's just very funny. And, of course, like we said about Goff. So there's a lot of this, oh, let's just plant the seed and the idea in the other team so they have to spend a little bit more time watching film on the other guy in case something happens that's against what they think is going to happen, right? And that's clearly what's happening. It's just very funny. They they all kind of know what we know, which is those guys are all going to play. But if something did happen otherwise, they need to be prepared for the replacement. So it's it's all gamesmanship. And notice, it's all these top-tier guys. It's not like the Joe Schmo third tight end. It's all the best guys on the teams are listed as questionable. So it's just funny that that is going on here in the first round of the playoffs. Yes, uh, maybe there's many a uh, 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 NFL coach who needs to run for political office at some point as well, right? Because they, they're already doing some of those smoke screens a little bit. Hey, you mentioned those New York Giants, and I think the Giants allowed you to be the winner of the Fit Picks last week. Thank you to the Giants. I appreciate getting over the top. I, as much as I'd like to give them the credit uh, for being the champion this season, I do have to go back to taking the Washington football team to beat the Steelers straight up. That was the pick that made all the difference in the entire season because everybody else took the Steelers and I took Washington, and I believe I won by one game. Is that correct? You did. You beat Bobby by one game as those things came out. And and we wanted to do some kind of playoff thing. But, it, it look, time has just really gotten away from everybody this this season uh, towards the end of the year. And it's so many things going on. I just I hate to make a commitment to something like that and not be able to follow through with it. So I don't think that we're going to be able to do those fit picks for the playoffs. Hey, you're not going to have any argument from me because that means I go out on top. I just ride <laughs> off into the sunset. You look at look at the dust coming from the the hoofs, the back hoofs of my horse as I ride away, and I just I just tip my cap to everybody and say I'm gone with the winners. But still, just a, an incredible winning percentage. I think you almost got to that 69%, John. I wanted to round up, but I think you were just a little bit short on that. I can't remember exactly, but I know you hit 68% of the picks, and all of us were in those 60% tile ranges. Uh, very good job by all those people on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Yeah, the whole season has been has been a grind, and everybody's working really hard. So I I like to see the results um, of everybody not only showing their base knowledge, but also that putting the time in and really analyzing it, and not just picking names out of a hat. Uh, I think that really showed in the final results. And the the main thing for me is we I like the fact that there are certain things that you and I stress, and they came back to fruition here, and they came back into the discussion, which is. Don't just go into autopilot, right? If you're really going to pick these games aggressively and right, you got to really think about each one and say, am I just picking all the games this week based on what I feel is a comfortable way to do this? And that's what ha- when you pick that way, that's how you end up at the bottom of the standings, right? So, and that's why I point to that Washington game. And there's a, there was a couple other times when I took the 49ers, there was one a couple of weeks ago against Arizona, right? Arizona with Kyler when Kyler was starting to come back on. And I was like, you know what? This game is screaming lock. It was 75% on Arizona. And I took the 49ers straight up, even though they were a six-point underdog. The little things like that, varying the strategies, the fact that it came back at the end, that's more important to me than winning. 
I just want people to know that when we give you advice on here, it's coming from the right place. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think so as well. We've we've thought about those things. These things turn around in my head. I think about doing the program and the podcast with you, and I just think about the direction that we need to get it. And sometimes, you know, as a podcast host, I try to say things to allow you as the analyst to be able to uh, be really smart. You know what I mean? I, I may say some things to get me, get myself to kind of dumb it down a little bit. So then you can come in and just fire me up or JB or any of those guys. I do try to ask some of those questions that allow you guys to hit that home run out of the park. Um, so as we talk about these things, I like to look at it from different angles. And I think you and I do a good job with that. I think you and JB uh, do, do a great job at that Pierre even. And as I ask those questions to you, I love to hear y'all's input on it, um, especially whenever you shoot me down. I like that. So I, I don't, I don't mind being the the, the uh, what would you call it? was that the second guy on a com- on a comedic team? The, yeah, that's a, there's the double act, right? So you yeah. have the straight man and the funny man. So the, yeah. the straight man is is the host. He's always the host, like a, like a Penn and Teller type of thing in the magic sphere. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I haven't been able to shoot you down much lately because we kind of had that mind meld as we got toward the last quarter or third of the season where a lot of the logic and the way we were looking at the games, even piecing it together and not using the same strategy, right? Like this so far, what I'm picking so far this week is a good example, right? I, I would say a lot of the sharps are going to go for these first three games. They're going to go sharp on Indianapolis. They're going to go sharp on the Rams and they're going to go sharp on Washington, right? Which is the three, what I would say, like the, the unsexy picks or whatever you want to say, like the ones that aren't that attractive because it's not the quarterbacks that you want to go with. I think the sharps are going to go that way. So I know that in my head and usually the sharps know what they're doing. And yet I'm going to go with the three straight forward picks thinking I'm going to come out of here going two and one. And this is what we mean about varying the strategies. I'm not just because I know what the right pick is. I'm not going to go there. So I'm going to go Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady in the first three, and I'm going to come out of here going two and one. Okay, that's uh, that, I, hey, you're confident. I am confident as well. I think I would stay away from that Rams Seattle game. I don't know. I I like I, I, yeah. I, I might stay away from that game. Hey, um, let me remind everybody they can follow you over on Twitter at. Legend Sports 7. I had to take a minute, John. I had to think about that. At Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. They can follow me as well, at Loafinit. And you can head over to John Frisella's blog. And I think that you're working on, you got to be working on at some point in your mind right now, some the next little article that you're going to have on that blog. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the rankings of the players in general, right? When I do, I usually, the next one I do is usually the top 100 players after the playoffs are over. That includes all positions. A lot of that is impacted by the playoffs. Because ultimately, when we're ranking for the regular season, well, we might as well do fantasy rankings then, right? Because the fantasy rankings encompass only the teams that didn't reach the playoffs. If we want to rank players for real on the scale of the top 100 using all positions, well, that impact on the playoffs is the most important thing, right? Like, that's why when I do my rankings, I always overweight the quarterbacks. Because ultimately, we could talk about other positions all day, but like we say, why doesn't Sports Insights list the other positions? How come the only thing they list when they put up their betting lines is which quarterback is playing that particular week, who's undecided, and who's starting for each team because of the weight? The weight of it is 75%, 70%. So, yeah, I mean, I think what happens is when I get a good look at who's who are these guys that can do it at winning time, who could do it when everybody's watching, when the other team is keyed in on them and saying, okay, we've now had a week or two weeks to prepare. Uh, this is what we're going to do to stop this guy. Can this guy still get it done, right? When we get to Green Bay, that's going to be a great example, right? If When we get to Green Bay, if Devontae Adams is still having monster games, I mean, I got to think about putting this guy in the top five, including all the wide uh, the quarterbacks, you know, because they, now they have two weeks to prepare for playing against this number one receiver. So that's what I want to see when I analyze the playoffs is who could do it when everybody knows what's going to happen and yet they can still get the job done. Yes, uh, I I can understand that, uh, John. John, uh, the next game that we have here, whenever we talk about the wild card weekend, mm. this one I think is the real wild card in all of them. Mm-hmm. I've gone over this game a couple of different times in my head how it might be able to play out, but we have the Baltimore Ravens versus those Tennessee Titans, right? And yep. Baltimore is coming into this game red hot, and Tennessee, if nothing else. I can walk away from the 2020 season saying they were up and down, up and down. 
mm-hmm. they didn't play very, very well. Uh, but this is the time of year where it seems like the Titans really play the spoiler. But guess what? I don't think that they're going to be able to do it this week. Baltimore is favored by three points in this game. Uh, the game total is sitting at 54 and a half, which is huge for a couple of running teams. You know, we think about these guys and we think that they're running teams. But this is going to be one of those DFS slates, uh, dandies for this DFS slate, in my opinion. Yeah, it has to be. And what's going to happen here is, you know, Baltimore to start the game is going to load up the box. They're just not going to get lulled into the situation where Derrick Henry is getting 35 carries for 190 yards. Uh, they're going to try to stop him early and try to get the skid marks, right? So where he, he tries to hit that hole and he just stops in his tracks there when he runs into the wall. And what's going to happen is Tennessee, we know Mike Vrabel is very smart, very crafty when it comes to the playoffs and when it comes to these important games. They're going to come out lining, knowing that, knowing they're going to see 8-9 in the box, and they're going to throw that thing around with a lot of the play action. And early on, these teams are going to go back and forth. So I do think that makes sense that the line is so high because both of these teams are so smart on the offensive side of the ball. So they're going to try to exploit each other's defenses. Um, that That's what's going to happen. I know, I know Tannehill is probably going to be a good play either way, right? If Tennessee comes out the way that I said, and they're going to chuck it around off the play action, okay, then Tannehill is going to have a good game all the way. The other way to look at it is a lot of people are, are sharp on Baltimore feeling like they're going to bounce back and this is their time now that they're smoking hot. Uh, and that would be another reason for Tannehill to get stats. If Baltimore comes out hot in the game, then Tannehill's going to have that big second half where they got to mm-hmm. throw it. They're not going to be able to lean on Derrick Henry if they're behind. So I like Tannehill uh, in DraftKings here. For me, the game, this is this is like almost impossible, right? I, I trust a couple of guys that have thrown the Titans at me as the play against the spread. And this is another strategy. Don't think you know everything. Just because just because you've been picking games all year and picking games all week and all month, that doesn't mean you know everything. And this game's so hard to pick. I'm going to go with my buddies that I trust. I'm going to take Tennessee to win this game as far as the spread goes. And I'm going to take Baltimore. And I think it makes a lot of sense to win this game by one point. And I, I this score's been running through my head all week. 28-27, Baltimore Ravens. Wow, I'm going to write that down. I'll lose the piece of paper before I remember to look at it, but I'll, I'll write that down. 28-27 Baltimore. Uh, one of the things I noticed, too, is even though this is the highest game total, hmm. the public is betting the over on this one. This is at 54 and a half, and they're still betting the over on this. I, I don't know if both of those teams who like to keep the ball, the clock moving, uh, I don't know if it's going to be able to get that high. I guess there's just not going to be any defense in this game. Yeah, the under looks like more of a lock than any play on the board, probably, right? Because think about it. If everyone's taking the over, because this looks like the quote-unquote high-scoring game, and then the over-under line dropped a half a point from 55 to 54 and a half, if those bets are going in on the over, how come the line's not going up? That's because they're trying to sucker you and to keep taking it. Take it where it is. So I'm with you. I got to take the under. I would, If we were doing our, uh, our top picks, our breadwinners, uh, I'd have to throw that in there as a play. I'm going to take the under. Uh, the only problem is that 28-27 score is going to put me right around there, right? So it's going to hover. It could be 28-24, right, which would be 52. So it, it's I'm like right at the mark, which is a coincidence. But I, I think I'm going to take the under, and I think I'm still going to stick with it, that Baltimore is going to win this by a tight one, two, or three points. And again, if you're on one of the sites where it's three points, go ahead and buy that half, right? Because I do think this game could come down to a field goal. So buy a half a point and make it three and a half. And maybe you'll get underneath the spread there and cover it by a tight margin at the end. From from a DraftKings standpoint, do you see? I mean, I know you know with the, the high game total and everything, but do you see anybody that jumps out for you at a at a good price in this game? I mean, are we looking at taking a Lamar Jackson? Are we looking at taking a Tannehill? Or would we rather kind of settle for somebody a little bit cheaper, like a Mitchell Trubisky this this, this weekend on this DraftKings lineup? Yeah, I mean, Trubisky is going to be interesting because you know we might think they might fall behind. Right. So I, I got to once you get in that situation. And also, I think because David Montgomery has been so hot, I think people are going to be on him. So it's you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Mitch. So if they're going to be riding Montgomery and maybe he has a dud game because too many people are using him, that might be a time where he used Trubisky. But I, I got to be honest with you, even if it's going toward the under. I don't think it's going to be I'm talking about Ravens and Titans. Even if it's going toward the under, I don't think it's going to be way under. Therefore, I have to like both of the quarterbacks. And I, 
the key thing for me, and I want to really point this out, why I'm taking the Ravens to win it straight up and maybe not with the spread, is I really think that Lamar Jackson game, that Willis Reed game against mm-hmm. the Browns when he had to leave the game with the cramps and he came in on fourth and five, ice cold. He just ran in from the locker room and the first play threw a 45-yard touchdown to Hollywood Brown. And then they went on and he, he had a strong rest of the game. They closed it out with a big division battle victory when they must win against the Browns. I really think that was the turning point in his head because we've been saying, okay, the first year in the playoffs, he flopped. The second year in the playoffs, he flopped. He didn't have that moment where he had the confidence in a big spot to say, okay, I know I can do it now. Like in my, in my own personal playing career, I remember that moment when I was nine years old, pitching on a team with older guys where they needed me in a playoff game. And I ended up pitching more. You're only allowed to pitch three innings during the regular season if you were nine years old. And I pitched like seven innings into the uh, extra innings and we won. I remember that. All athletes have that time where they say, I know I can do it no matter what the circumstances are. And I think Lamar Jackson has reached that point. Yeah, and in in DraftKings too, Derrick Henry is at 9,200. That to me is just too high for him in a game where he might get scripted out of it really, really quick. You know that that I just it's hard for I feel uncomfortable using Derrick Henry this week at all. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to believe that the game story would be exactly the same as last year unless Baltimore has no guts, right? So that being said, I I have to go with you on that. How how could it be? that they, they're just going to pound the rock with Derrick Henry and blow the doors off this team like they did last time. I just don't see that happening. Therefore, you're going to pay up too high to get Derrick Henry at 9,200, and you're going to have a lot of people on DraftKings playing who are thinking that. Mm-hmm. No, They're thinking the opposite of what I'm saying right now, which is, well, Derrick Henry, he ran them into the ground last year. Maybe he'll just do it again, right? So I, I don't want to go along with that thinking. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's going to be tough to squeeze him into a lineup. I think maybe you'd be better off knowing that we're going to have a running game with the Rams and the Seahawks with that low total of 42, maybe like a Chris Carson at 5,900, you might be able to squeeze him in there for a little bit more balance in your roster at the running back position. And if I remember that Baltimore-Tennessee game earlier this season, I, I think he had, what, a, an overtime, he ended up with close to a 30-yard touchdown run at the very end on the last play of the game to seal the victory for the Tennessee Titans. And I'm just going to put it at 30 yards. I think it was somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe a little bit less than that. But he would have finished then at 27 carries for just around 100 yards and no touchdowns against the Baltimore Ravens. He finished that game in the regular season with 23 DraftKings points, Johnny. And if it wasn't for that last play, he'd have, he'd have ended up below 20. So I'm just feeling very uncomfortable playing Derrick Henry in this game. But I think I am with you. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens against the spread for sure. Uh, I know. I, I don't know if they can cover that. Ah, boy, yeah, that three. You, you got that 28-27 stuck in my head now. Uh, <laughs> I'll still take the Baltimore. I'll still take the Baltimore Ravens. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm taking the Ravens. If we were doing the fit picks, I would take the Ravens. But with the spread, like I said, I'm going with my yeah. buddies. I got – there were a couple of chats running that I was keeping my eye on while I was working and I saw all the smartest and the top guys in those chats that I have saying Titans with confidence. So wow. I said, well, if I'm not sure about the spread and that score keeps going into my head anyway, regardless of what they're saying, I'm going to take Tennessee to cover the spread, Baltimore to win it straight up. It's going to be like we always say, there's one game on the slate that's right at the line. So it's going to be right at the, the uh, spread line. It's going to be right at the over under and you're going to end up with mixed results on that. All right, next game is my Chicago Bears who got into the playoffs, John. I mean, they just marched right in there to the playoffs. There was no doubt in my mind that they were going to against the New Orleans Saints uh, and Drew Brees. I I think everybody's going to be playing for the New Orleans Saints at this point. I think that uh, uh, Michael Thomas is even going to be activated off the injured preserve lift. I know on DraftKings that uh, it says Kamara still has COVID and all that, but I think everybody's going to be playing this this week, and it doesn't really matter. I don't think they need everybody to play this week against that uh, the Bears against that New Orleans Saints defense I just can't see how they're going to move the ball this game total is sitting at 47 and a half and the Saints are favored by 10 points John I I don't even want to say who I think is going to win this game I think I, I don't even think the Bears can cover the spread this week well let me first say congratulations on getting there because oh, come on. you know what that's just fun it's just fun though you know you know how bad we want to be in the playoffs Jets haven't been in the playoffs since we have Mark Sanchez the guy retired 36 years ago. So just be happy you made it there. Um, and you know what's funny is because we talk about the Bears a lot and we talk about the Jets a lot, the Bears and the Giants 
had a very similar story to their season, which yep. was like, oh, these guys, sometimes they look really good. Well, they're starting to convince me. Wait a minute. They, they might have something here. And then you're like this. These guys are awful. These guys are I, I can't handle these guys. And then it kind of goes back up and they end up where they started. So it's funny that they kind of had that up and down trajectory to the season, which I guess comes from fluctuation at the quarterback position in terms of play. Now, this game here, I got a play that's jumping at me right away, which is the quality of preparation by Sean Payton and Drew Brees and this Saints team is strikes me in the first half. So I like first quarter Saints being better prepared than the Bears. I think we can all agree on that about we know with Matt Nagy. We're, we're not feeling too confident in him and his guys. So I got I like the Saints first quarter. I like the Saints first half. Now here's the here's the kicker and the difficult part. I like the Saints for the game, but I am very worried about Mr. Garbage Time, Trubisky. I am worried that the Saints are going to be up 14, and Trubisky's going to say, ah, we're not just going to take a knee here at the end with two minutes and 30 seconds to go, mm-hmm. and he's going to march it down the field. So so that's why if I'm going to take – I wouldn't take the game, right? We're, we do it for the show. For the show, I'll go with my gut and stick with the Saints, uh, and I'll say that they're going to win this by around 14. But I am worried about that. So if I was betting in real life – or I was recommending in real life, I would say Saints first quarter, Saints first half, and and stay away from that game line. I know I'm not a football coach. Mm-hmm. I, I know I just sit on a sofa and watch or an old wooden rocking chair that we have in the house. <laughs> but I was watching that game last week, again, the Bears versus the Packers, right? And everything's on the line, right? Everything's on the line. First drive, the Bears are moving the ball very well. Second drive. They come out and pass the ball three times. Three times. No runs at all. What's the most vulnerable spot for the Green Bay Packers as far as defense goes? They can't stop the run. That's what everybody said. I mean, that's obvious. And they come out, and that's what they did. And the first drive, they ran. They mixed a little run. They mixed a little pass, a little play action in there. And, And the second drive, three passes, three and out very quickly. And you gave the ball right back to Aaron Rodgers. Who it just, I mean, he could destroy you in a heartbeat. Well, I don't understand the coaching. John, if you watch this game, and I, I know the, the Packer game, I watched the Packer game really, really close. They had four plays, the, the Bears did. The four plays, a rollout pass to Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. That was number one in the flat, all right? Easy to, easy to defend. Uh, how's that going to end up happening, a big play? or a, You can't even move the chains that way. Number two, uh, some kind of pass play to Mooney. In the flat by the sidelines. All right. Mm-hmm. Another another little thing. And then the other ones, a handoff to Montgomery or a, a short pass to Montgomery. Four plays. That's it. That's all I saw out of the Bears. I don't think that this is going to be even close. I understand what you're saying about that backdoor cover. And yes, Mitch <laughs> Mitch is really good at doing that, is getting that job done. But I, I could just see the defense being deflated in this one. My only hope. The Bears are really good at, at shorting that field on the defensive side of things. And they can keep everything in front of them because the and, and the New Orleans Saints do not throw the ball very well down the field. You know, they're not a big, huge play like that. And mm-hmm. I know Drew Brees is a surgeon out there on the football field. and He can dissect the Chicago Bear defense, but they are so fast on that defensive uh, in the linebackers and even in the and even in the defensive line. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they will not try to rush the passer really hard, but instead just get their hands up stop those drives from going all the time, and maybe, maybe my Bears have a puncher's shot at covering the spread, not winning the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? You had a lot of good insight there, and I, I, my brain was going off in like 100 different directions, and I want to make sure I try to touch all these points because you bring up a lot of good stuff. Number one is, man, it would be nice, nice if the Fit Network opened up and we had correspondence uh, in all different teams, right? Oh, because look, look at what you can bring – and that's what I can do with the Jets and JB can do with Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, seeing that play for play and knowing where the shortcomings on, you can only get that when you're watching every play that close. And by the way, this one I was because I was rooting for you. So I actually was tweeting during the game and rooting for the Bears. It's tough because Mike, my father-in-law, is really a Packers fan. He watches the Jets with us because we're local guys, but he's always been a Packers fan. So and then you like the Bears. So I'm like, well, the Packers are already going to get their their one seed or whatever. And the Bears, you know, the Bears need to get into the playoffs. So it was a, it was a mixed bag there uh, when those two guys play against each other. So that was tough for me. But that was one thing you bring up is that it would be nice if we had more people out there giving us that direct insight 
and then we know exactly what's going on with each each particular team, and that's really going to enhance the picks at the end of the day. So that's part one. Part two, and what you were saying, you mentioned a couple of names there. Pace is making a case for himself here. Now as we see the guys that he recently drafted are no. starting to show us some stuff, which is Montgomery got smoking hot. That was last year's draft pick. He's starting to look like he was worth investing in, right? Mooney coming off the best game of his career, and he showed us a lot of spark during the year, but they didn't have the right rhythm because they kept changing quarterbacks. But he's starting to show us something. And Komet now, Komet's starting to look like he's one of the rising guys at his position, and maybe next year he's going to hit the ground running. So Pace is starting to make a case for himself. Do you feel that, that that's true, that he may, maybe he's safer than Nagy is? What do you think about that? No. And no? I, I say that. And I say that just because whenever you talk about them getting hot – all right, let's let's I will remind you of their schedule towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Detroit week 13, Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, Houston, Minneapolis, and then Jacksonville. That was that was that four-game stretch where we're like, "Oh man, the Bears are a team." No, the Bears played nobody, right? With any kind of defense <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, that's that that's the really the the thing. And and sandwiched in between there were Green Bay Packers. You know, the Green Bay Packers were the bread on all that stuff. So, whenever I look at them playing the real teams, they did not show those things, and that was in flux. Look, Pace brought in Nagy. Pace brought in, picked Mitch Trubisky over all those quarterbacks. We don't have to go over that again. He picked him over all those different guys when he wasn't even an option. Not only did he pick him, but he traded up for him, John, when nobody else wanted him. What was he thinking? I, I mean, I, I don't I don't understand that. You're going to get me off on a tirade here, and I can't go down that rabbit hole right now because we have <laughs> one more game we got to go into. Who do you pick in this game? I am picking the the uh, maybe the Bears can cover this, but I w- I'm not going to say they are. I don't know how they score football. I don't know how they score points. Listen, I have a certain type of pick that's called the quality of organization pick. Oh, my. And in this case, the quality of the right. Sometimes they're about on the same plane. Give you an example. Baltimore and Tennessee are both quality organizations. I feel pretty comfortable with their front office. I feel very comfortable with their head coaches. Put them both in the top 10. I'm not seeing an advantage there in overall quality. Then when I look at the Saints who are a machine and, and uh, a type of franchise that other teams are aspiring to be. And then I look at the Bears, who are like, every week is a different story, and it's totally hodgepodge all over the place. This is a quality of organization pick, and everything all included, all three facets of the game, plus the front office, plus the coaching staff, I have to assume the preparation level is going to get the Saints there at the end. So again, my real pick is the Saints first quarter and fi- Saints first half. Those are my real picks, but also because we have to do it with the spread, I'm going to go quality of organization. The Saints are going to cover the whole thing. They're going to win this thing by 14 or 17 points. The, my, my, uh, I want to say my good friend. I don't think he's my good friend. <laughs> he doesn't even know who I Tom Waddle. I don't know if you remember him. He played for the Chicago Bears. He's a radio host over there on AM 1000, I think, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he calls, the Soldier, he calls Soldier Field the Cranberry Bog. All right, because it's just a, such terrible field conditions. So he says it's like a cranberry bog, and uh, the the old Washington thing is drain the swamp. I think the Bears need to drain the cranberry bog right about now, and they need to get rid of all that stuff. They need to clear it out. They need to start over. They need to start fresh. And next year, without Mitch Trubisky, I, I actually I would love for him to sign up because Mitch Trubisky is actually a pretty cheap option as a quarterback. But they just need to bring somebody else in there and get a new environment. Hey, next game: Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I sure wish there wasn't those COVID concerns for Cleveland and everything, because this one would have been just a, oh man, John, to be able to watch this game against two with two rivals just pounding it out, bam, 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 like they do. Cleveland, Pittsburgh hate each other. This game right now is sitting at a game total of 47 and a half, and this one has gone up, I think, because of the COVID concerns. It started out as Pittsburgh only being favored by three and a half, and now they're favored by six, John. Uh, it looks like everything's coming in on Pittsburgh's side of things. Do you agree with the public? This one became really hard with the Stefanski news, right? Yeah. Is he is he literally not going to be there? Is that basically what it is? He's basically just doing the game preparation, but then he's not allowed to be at the game. Is that the scenario? That's that's what I've heard, and I think that that's ridiculous, to be honest with you, because there's not going to be many people in the stadium at all. Uh, maybe it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you just don't want them traveling in the air. I, I, I Look, I, Nancy Pelosi flew in some senator to be able to vote for something, and she had COVID. She was on a quarantine thing. I don't know why we can't get Stefanski in that stadium and allow him to be a part of it. I understand not being in contact with people. It just seems like there's some way that we can make this happen. 
Yeah, it's just it really threw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. It's it's really unfortunate, and the Browns have had bad luck. Typical Browns, right? They finally get a season where everything comes together. They get the yeah. right head coach. Uh, they get Mayfield coming on in the second half of the year. They get a couple of explosive uh, performances from the defense that we weren't anticipating. They get the great ground game. It all comes together, and then all of a sudden, everybody starts getting COVID. The wheels come off. They're like the, the high-class version of the Jets, right, because they actually made the playoffs, and they actually are making good decisions and improving their team. But then, of course, there's always that snake-bitten element, which I always say was something with the Clippers, right, in the NBA. No matter what the Clippers do, they never get over the hump. They bring in all the superstars. They change the head coach. They make all types of trades. But that franchise is snake-bitten. I really believe that's the thing. How, how long is this going to go on for the Detroit Lions? Are they going to be terrible forever? So that that's another thing here that's come into play. The Browns just have bad luck. Um, this is a, a very tough one. My opinion is I was about to run the table – with all the top quarterbacks, right? Basically with the Josh Allen and the Wilson and the Brady and the Jackson and the Breeze, right? And then the other one was I was a little bit concerned about the Steelers because I think they got a little too hot too early and I think they came back down to earth and I think this game could be tough. It's a division battle and I don't like that certain guys on the Steelers are making disparaging remarks about the Browns. Why are you going to fire these guys up when they're already dealing with all this controversy with COVID and their head coach? Why you want to put a chip on their shoulder in a division game when they haven't been in the playoffs in God knows how long? I can't even remember the last time they were in the playoffs. So I'm going to take the Browns to cover the spread. It's just going to be awfully hard for them to win it with the COVID concerns without the coach and the experienced nature of the Steelers on both sides of the ball. Uh, it's really hard. I'm, I'm going with the Browns. I think the Steelers fired them up. So right now I'm going to focus on the spread. I don't know what my pick is without the spread, but I'm going to take the Browns to cover the spread because it went up to six. I'm going to take the Browns to lose it by four points. Okay. All right. And, and I'll be honest with you. I've kind of adopted the Browns. And I, that's terrible because my two teams now in the playoffs are Chicago and Cleveland. That's not very, I don't, I'm not going to have to pay attention very long. You know, it doesn't seem like. But I just I hate that that happened to them. And they're yeah. a team that has played and has, has fired up. And, and like you said, and, and look, the left tackle's out. But that doesn't mean anything for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is one of the happiest feeded uh, quarterbacks I've seen in the NFL in a long time. He, he goes back there in his three-step drop or his four-step drop. And then he goes, oh, it's time to run. You know, I don't even know that he looks around that much. And so I don't think that the left tackle or whoever it was that got COVID is being out on the offensive line, I don't think that's going to affect Baker Rayfield in the passing game very much. It may affect that running game. It may affect that running game. But I think mm -hmm. Chubb is even able to kind of overcome that a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Chubb, I mean, Chubb is top, top of the line. We're talking about top six or seven. Uh, and one of the best things about him is you know – when you make that one mistake in the assignment with the secondary coverage, when he breaks through the first level that he disappears and is gone, right? We always say Derrick Henry surprises you with that. You think the big boy, he rumbles, right? When he gets out in the open field, he starts to get away from those safeties and those cornerbacks that are chasing him. Well, Nick Chubb, it's no question. When you, when he takes that little out, right? Let's say they do a little bit of motion going toward the right. And it's like, he goes out to the right and then he cuts up field. If you don't have that secondary guy in there, if that's safety or that linebacker's not coming over to clip him at the feet, he's gone. And that's one of the things you can't say about all the running backs. There's a lot of running backs who can't get away. They, they can get you 20, 25 yards, no problem. But when they try to get into that second, third level, they just don't get there. They get caught. Well, that's not Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, when he gets there, he's gone. He's a bullet. So I like him a lot there. Um, just looking at some of the salaries, it's interesting here. How about the rise of J.K. Dobbins? Right, comparatively, because we're talking about Chubb here, they're almost the same salary. Chubb's at 6,700. That's an elite guy. That's a top six running back in the league. J.K. Dobbins was a nobody, you know, part of a committee for at least seven, eight games of the season, and now he's at 6,600. I know that's a different game, but let's keep an eye on those salaries, you know, as we talk about the games and throw another guy in there who who we like and we've mentioned before. Ronald Jones is only 5,500. If that's going to be a ground and pound game, Tampa Bay and Washington. You got to take a look at Ronald Jones there. I like him in that game. So just talking about the running backs a little bit there. But to circle back around, uh, I am concerned because I think people are starting to come on like me here. And they're thinking, oh, it's maybe a little bit too easy to take Pittsburgh. And this late run is going to be taking Cleveland against the spread. But uh, I am concerned, but I'm going to stick with them. I think they've been a good story this year. I think they're mad. I think they're mad that they're not getting respect. And I think they're mad about their bad luck. So I am going to stick with my gut and take Cleveland to cover the spread. 
Well, you talk about two teams that hate each other, too. Hey, you know, I mean, just hate each other. We, I don't know what's going to end up happening in this game, but they, these two teams just absolutely hate each other. And we can go that all the way back to last year when the helmet ripped, ripped off of people and that things were said and things were done. Uh, that right. stuff has not gone away. That is not water under the bridge. I think that will come to bubble up to the surface at some point during this game. So my eyes will be all over this one on Sunday night. That's a great point because it, at this point, the impact of that play the infamous Miles Garrett play has now reversed, right? At the time, that's the type of play that fired up the Steelers because the Steelers already didn't have Roethlisberger, right? So they were, it was a struggle and uphill climb for them all of last year. So a play like that happens and it galvanizes your team and it gives you a chance, right? It gave them a chance to make the playoffs. They played very hard last year and they almost got there with again, credit to Mike Tomlin and credit to the toughness of the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, that storyline has changed now because that's faded into the past. It's not, it's not a hot topic for the Steelers players. Yeah, they remember it in the back of their mind, but they have different fish to fry this year. Now they're a more serious team. There are other considerations. For the Browns, what it's done is it just makes it so heated. And when you make it so heated between the teams in general, that benefits both teams as far as the spread goes. right? So when you make it heated and you turn that rivalry up a notch – and you're the team that's getting six points, like Cleveland, that benefits you because it becomes like a boxing match. One punch here and a punch back and a punch back because you hate each other and you want to keep this game tight and keep this game close. So that incident, even though the the Browns were the perpetrators, it was so long ago and Steelers have other things they got to worry about now, it actually benefited the Browns in keeping them in this rivalry and keeping them in this game. And that it's just crazy how things change and they evolve. So yeah, I'm I'm still I'm sticking through it the whole way. Browns to lose it by three or four, which means they're going to cover the spread. Okay, all right, John. That's our wild card weekend. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. And uh, I do wish you all the best luck here. I I like how everything's moving for you in this new year. I can't wait for you to have that little baby in your life get changed, and you get all that gray hair. You start losing your hair a little bit more, and all that. I can't I can't wait to hear all the Daddy Johnny stories. You know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a really exciting time. Uh, Got to keep the family close knit and everybody working toward the same goals. And I appreciate you, my friend. Happy, happy. We made it all the way through our first year working together, and and everything's going nicely and smoothly. And happy to be the fit champion. You know, I got to stick it to my guys. The champ is here. So uh, hopefully, I'll repeat next year. But listen, all the best to you, to your family, to our listeners, to the fit team for 2020-21 which we know we got to throw that 2020 in the garbage and forget about that. And, and hopefully it's literally every day, right? I want everybody to visualize every day an uphill climb in the right direction. And by the time we get to the end of the year on all facets, hopefully we're back to normal and everybody's happy and healthy. So uh, that's my wish for everybody who's listening here today. Yes, uh, we'll throw all of 2020 in the garbage, except for some of those new baseball rules where there's an automatic DH in both leagues and the extra inning rules I think we should keep around as well. All right. <laughs> hey, don't forget to follow John Frisella over on Twitter, at LegendSports7. You can follow me as well, at Loafinator on Twitter. You can also follow the show, at FI Today, with a little underscore. All the hosts here at the Fantasy Impact Today Network are located there right underneath the bio on that page. And you can also head over to Anchor FM, subscribe to the show there if it happens to be on the iTunes app. Make sure you slap those stars around. Leave a review if you can. But more importantly than all that, we always want to encourage you to go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. <laughs>